listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Here are your hosts, Daniel and Golnaz. Hi, everyone. We are here for another episode of ESL Talk. Welcome. Today, we want to look at some cultural issues or barriers that teachers experience at work, and we want to share some tips on how we can overcome them. Our guest this week on the episode is Euclid. Uh, he's a teacher, English teacher, ESL professor at a university in South Korea. And we'll be having a chat with him today about his experiences, um, his upbringing, and how he overcame cultural barriers living and working in a very different country to where he came from, which is the USA. And we want to take a look at different, um, let's say, situations or factors that kind of cause these cultural issues or barriers for teachers. First of all, we want to take a look at teaching students from different countries and different backgrounds and religions. And um, Daniel, would you want to share like um, what happens uh, and like any experiences that you have had in the UK or Korea, Canada? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean... You know, cultural issues and cultural barriers are something that probably, you know, native and non-native teachers will face. Um, perhaps non-native teachers are going to experience this more, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I can definitely talk a little bit about the experiences that I've had. Um, when I was working in the UK, a lot of the cultural issues and barriers for me as a teacher uh, came from religion. Um, you know, the students that I taught came from very diverse backgrounds. Um, so... You know, I guess it was a blessing in a way that I got to work with students from lots of different countries who spoke lots of different languages, who had many different religions, and they were all together in one place. So it did bring its challenges because I need to learn how to communicate with those students effectively. I need to learn how to you know, understand uh, their needs and maybe understand how best they learn um, and what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable as well. So I would say that those are some issues and barriers for me as a teacher. Um, in Korea, um, again, culture, very different um, in terms of, you know, how rare foreigners are. So if you're a foreigner in Korea, you're very, very much in the 1%. Um, so, you know, people tend to ask you some strange questions. They might stare at you or, 
they might you know uh, want to kind of know a lot of personal information about you again this isn't a race thing it's more a case of just curiosity and not knowing um, but it can sometimes be a little bit frustrating and it can be an issue um, as a teacher because students might be more interested in your personal life than your professional life so that definitely brought some issues when i was in korea um, and as for canada um, you know canada is a really diverse place it's a melting pot of religions languages nationalities cultures languages so um, I wouldn't say I experienced too many cultural issues and barriers here. Um, being from the UK, I'm very, very fortunate to know that, you know, things are quite similar. Um, so I think the the experience here hasn't been too different to the UK. Um, but definitely, I've managed to meet people from different um, countries. And I've managed to have a lot of students from new countries as well. Uh, and that just builds to my um, teaching experience and kind of, you know, allows me to develop new ways to um, work with those students, help those students and find out how they learn best and how they learn English best, um, which can be different, but definitely trying to turn those issues and barriers into positives and into benefits. Um, how about for you, Golnes? Um, would you care to share your experience as a, a non-native teacher? Well, as a non-native teacher working in Iran, for me, there were no issues regarding cultural or, you know, background differences because, well, we all were Iranians from coming from the same country and same, let's say, similar background. But also, but like working in Iran, um, there are some other uh, problems or issues that you might um, face as a woman and as a teacher. Um those go back to like the uh, because like in Iran people it is one country but it is made up of very different uh, cultures and backgrounds uh, coming all from all areas of the country and then as a teacher you have all of those people in one classroom with different styles different um, ways of thinking um, different approaches to learning um, I did not have a big challenge with this, but like what helped me uh, during those years was, you know, uh, being open and being respectful to um, everyone with any belief, with any background, with any religion, and kind of, you know, setting them aside uh, just out the door. And when you enter the classroom, the atmosphere that we shared was uh, kind of an, you know, uh, a kind of an environment that people are there to um, work with English. Our, our main like major was English, nothing else. So where you come from, what your background is, is respected, but not uh, is not going to be an issue. That was something easy to handle for me in Iran. In Turkey, um, it was a little bit different because, well, first of all, um, there is this bias that, you know, um, the students or the schools think like, okay, you are not native. This is like something that comes to their mind. And um, there is this demand and there is this um, expectation for uh, um, students that they want to see a native teacher and they prefer native teachers sometimes. But again, I was so lucky to uh, be able to create this, um, let's say, uh, good rapport with my students and doing my work, doing my best actually, and delivering good lessons to them that I, again, did not um, 
um, face any issues with my students. I was never judged by them. I was never, um, you know, uh, respected by them. I was always loved by them, always respected by them, regardless of my background, regardless of my, um, um, actually me being a non-native. And uh, it was actually kind of interesting and kind of surprising for them because they were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you're from Iran and then you're teaching English in Turkey, why? So they were kind of curious to learn more about me and about my, um, like my passion, my interests and everything. And once they uh, started to learn more about me and what my plans are and why I am there, no, they kind of appreciate it. So I think... Um, uh, for me, it has never been a big issue with my students, but I have had my own challenges with um, some schools when I, you know, went to some job interviews. Uh, I mean, I heard this, like they told me that uh, you are not a native teacher, so we are sorry we cannot hire you. I heard this a lot. <laughs> That's really unfortunate because, you know, I think there's a, there shouldn't really be any distinction because everyone has their own skills and talents and abilities and you know this is a topic for another day that we will cover in quite a lot of detail because it's a very controversial topic um, and I know you know what it's like on both sides um, and just to kind of you know link and connect to what you were saying a moment ago uh, definitely you know this this thing of mutual respect is really key um, I know some advice I could give to teachers is in the classroom early on try to establish and be respectful of the different backgrounds, the different cultures, the different religions, you know, be on a level with your students where, you know, you're accepting of, it doesn't matter where you're from, we're equal, we're starting off at the same point and let's build up together to, you know, achieve our goals in English, whatever they might be. Um, and that kind of connects with the schools that I've worked in because I've been really fortunate again to work at all levels of elementary school, middle school, high school, university. And I think it's really important to not always try to solve all of these issues immediately. If something bothers you, try to investigate why, where's this coming from? Where's this question coming from? Why are they asking me the question like this? Try to understand a little bit about it before you react. Um, it, obviously that's difficult sometimes um, and some issues can be quite sensitive and you might feel really embarrassed or you know ashamed of you know some things that are out of your control. Um, that can really harm the class atmosphere, you know, depending on how you react. Um, it's definitely important to keep your students on side and deal with them sensitively and deal with them in the right way. Um, again, it just depends on what the issue is, but definitely um, it can be really tricky at first trying to overcome these issues and these barriers. So definitely respect and definitely having an open mind and being able to have those discussions in the right way can definitely help. Um, so what advice then would you give for teachers who want to work in another country or work with students from another country? I Number one, I would say learn about uh, their culture. Uh, like uh, you can choose to work in any country you like, but like, first of all, um, accept this, that you are going to enter a new country, a new culture, and you are going to, it's like, it's not, it's, first of all, you are going to be, um, you know, you can see yourself as a guest entering somebody else's home. And of course, uh, you want to, you want to, you want to uh, see that you're welcomed, but also you have to be welcoming, especially as a teacher, you have to be welcoming um, to, anything that comes your way, the new culture, the challenges. I would say even even like um, 
you know, uh, the struggles that you might face. You have to be welcoming, but you have to also be, um, you know, adaptive and also determined in order to make um, the best decisions. So if the culture, that new culture creates a barrier to learning when you are um, um, teaching, you're working. So in your classroom, uh, this these differences you see that are creating a barrier to the students' learning, you can work together with the students and show them how they can change it and improve it. So, uh, for example, something that I experienced um, in Turkey was that uh, because of the background that the students come from, uh, and especially the way and the style of studying that they have at universities, uh, when they come to the English class, um, they... Uh, kind of expect everything to be happening um, from the teacher's side, for example. And um, their background kind of, you know, makes them, um, makes them expect uh, a lot, which they have every right um, for, but also uh, they kind of miss on some points that, um, you know, might ha should happen on their end. So uh, for me, this was a little bit, for example, some issues that I had with my students doing homework. They, they were not used to doing homework. They were not used to uh, practicing at home. And like, mm, it was it was so natural for them to come to the class not doing anything and not doing any homework. It was so natural for them and it was not natural for me at all. So uh, I tried to find this balance with my students, uh, you know, without uh, being disrespectful to their beliefs or to their, um, I don't, you know, learning style, try to uh, show them what the benefit in doing homework is and like why they should be doing it and why they should consider a lot of different things. Okay. So this is this is really important yes. for teachers to consider. I, I couldn't agree more with that notion that, you know, showing students why, why are we doing this? What's the reason? What's the purpose? I think if you can show those students, you know, what the goal is, what the end, um, you know, what you're going to achieve at the end, uh, I think that can really help to overcome those barriers because your role is, you know, to help students to achieve their goals. And if you're doing that in the right way and showing them how you're going to help them, I think that can definitely um, relieve a lot of those cultural problems. Um, as well, what you said earlier about, you know, if you're working with students from other countries or you're working in another country, thinking as yourself as a guest, I think is a really good approach to have, because if you have that open mind, you're going to be more flexible, you're going to be more, you know, open to learning new things, trying new things and understanding. Um, and that maybe comes into language a little bit. I know when I worked in Korea, um, it was difficult for the first few months to communicate. But once I learned a few basic words um, in Korean, students were really impressed and they were very, they felt more comfortable and those cultural barriers started to kind of subside and get a little bit easier as well. Um, so definitely that's important for sure. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the next part of today's podcast. Uh, this is the interview portion of the podcast. And today we're joined by our guest, Yuke, who's going to talk to us a little bit about his um, background and his experiences of teaching English and ESL around the world. Okay, I would like to welcome you, Yuke, to our show. Thank you for joining us. First of all, let's ask you about your background and your upbringing as a Haitian American living in a white middle class suburb of New York City. How was it? So first of all, thanks for inviting me to this podcast. It's a real pleasure to be able to talk about my expertise and background with you guys today and to all your listeners. So uh, regarding your first question, um, growing up as a first-generation Haitian-American in basically an all-white neighborhood in New York. So um, there are definitely a lot of uh, struggles, but also a lot of advantages that I think I had compared to other um, immigrants living in America. So let me talk about some of the good things. So um, first, uh, let me tell you about my parents. They immigrated from Haiti to the United States in the early 80s. And um, one of the good things about their immigration story is that they were able to move near my cousins and my aunts. So we weren't alone um, growing up. I had my cousins living just five minutes away. Uh, we had the Haitian church community, which was just a few minutes away from where I lived. So I was never too um, far removed from my culture. So that was a really good thing is I wasn't alone. Um, some tough things was, yeah, definitely being in school and being one of the only black kids in the, in the class. Uh, sometimes it would be a little awkward, you know, um, particularly talking about some topics in American history. Uh, the civil rights movement and slavery. And sometimes I would see some wandering eyes looking at me for my reaction. I would just sort of, you know, put my head down and not really want to contribute. And I think most children, they just want to blend in. So I didn't really have that option as a kid. I always stood out. 
and being quite a shy, uh, introverted person, it was quite, kind of tough for me to just stand out just for the way that um, I looked. But having you know my my friends and uh, my family and particularly the Haitian church community um, always within um, you know my 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 area within my neighborhood, it definitely helped me adapt to just being different in school. So that was uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Wow. Really interesting and again so diverse and so different to what many of us have experienced. So you obviously um, we met in Korea a long time ago now it seems. So why initially did you go into teaching? Why did you choose this as a career and why did you choose Korea as a country to teach in? Well, in regards to teaching, I feel like that was maybe uh, predestined. So I come from a long line of teachers in my family. So my grandmother was a teacher. I have a lot of you know, cousins, aunts, uncles that were all involved in education. My father was a teacher. So just growing up, I was always uh, surrounded by academia and education. So I guess uh, I was always, for lack of a better word, uh, a nerd. So I always loved reading. I loved studying. I loved history growing up. So I feel like teaching was something that I was always destined to do. Um, in regards to why I chose uh, Korea, well, I'll take it back a little bit to university. So when I was a junior in college, I studied abroad in Italy for six months. And that was my first time actually living abroad. And I absolutely um, fell in love with it. And I realized that when I graduated from college, I wanted to go abroad again. So when I graduated, I just I did a quick Google search about uh, best places to teach. And Korea kept popping up in all my searches. So. I thought, you know what, maybe I'll give Korea a chance. And uh, 10 years later, I guess it was the right decision. So <laughs> I'm happy, happy being there. That's excellent. I hear that you're still working in Korea, right? I am, yeah, it's been a, a decade, which uh, for me, I can't believe that it's uh, been 10 years. It's like the time has really flown by, but I'm still here. And um, I just really love the the work-life balance that I have, um, you know, being a university professor, I just teach um, a maximum of 16 hours per week. So I have a lot of time to devote towards my hobbies. My hobbies being um, number one, reading. I'm just the biggest bookworm. I, I try to read a book every week and also soccer. Um, I love to be active. So I have time to do things that I love besides teaching. And the biggest reason by far are my students. I, I just have a, uh, a deep love for my students that I can't even I can't even put into words. You know, every time I walk into the classroom and we just have a really good rapport. So that's the biggest thing in keeping me in the country is just the relationship I have with my students. And also the country itself, Korea. Um, I know Dan, you know, lived there for a few years, but Golnaz, I don't know about you if you've ever been to Korea, but it really is just a, a stunningly uh, beautiful country, especially in the countryside. And I love to you know, visit the small little towns and uh, the cities when I get a chance on the weekend. So there's a lot of things keeping me here and I'm very glad to still be in this country. I've bet, I bet that's a one of a kind experience. Yeah, I, I really- I can visit there sometime yes, in the future. Absolutely. Maybe. 
I definitely suggest that to a lot of people if they have the opportunity to to visit there for sure. Okay, thank you so much for sharing you, um, a lot of things even I didn't know uh, about you, which I thought I did. So that's great. So let's move it on to some more um, specific uh, issues and questions regarding our topic today, which is overcoming cultural problems, issues, challenges. So you know, obviously, as we mentioned, you had quite a different upbringing or different uh, background to a lot of us. So what were some of the cultural issues you faced during your career so far? You know, I think one of the the first things that stood out to me when I came to Korea is kind of fascinating. Um, number one, I wasn't really in America. I'm always cognizant of the fact that I'm African American, I'm black. But when I was in Korea, I realized that I'm American first, and my blackness was not really that important when it came to my uh, career. So that was kind of fascinating. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not like a barrier. That, that big of a barrier when it comes to teaching in itself. But when I first came to Korea, definitely the staring in public was a really big eye-opener. Um, everywhere I went, um, yeah, this was about 10 years ago, so there weren't too many um, people that looked like me that were working in Korea. So definitely the stares on the subway, curious looks. Um, but I didn't really know Korean that well at the time, so maybe they were saying some comments, but maybe it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't know what they're saying, but uh, that was kind of a tough thing just for everyday life in the first few years living here. Um, when it comes to uh, teaching specifically, uh, I'm a very um, organized, sort of regimented person. I, I schedule you know, my life hour by hour. I'm very detailed oriented. So in Korea, I had to learn how to let go of it because in Korea, specifically in the education sector, they like to throw a lot of things at you sort of last minute, last minute meetings, last minute curriculum changes. Sometimes they would even change the textbook just a few weeks before the semester started. So that was really uh, tough for me, someone who likes to plan um, weeks and months and months ahead. So I had to learn how to sort of let go as a teacher and to just trust that everything will be okay and to trust my skills as a teacher that I can adapt. So those are a few things I had to get used to. The art of letting go, as you mentioned, is, I think, a key in resolving many different issues. But, like, um, I want to ask you, uh, did you ever face any specific cultural barriers that impacted your teaching, you know, um, maybe positively or negatively? And what was the effect there? So, I think besides the things that I mentioned, you know, the last minute sort of things being pushed onto me, I had a few instances where maybe some uh, some questions were asked to me during the class that I'm like, oh, okay, I was not expecting that. And that was a bit, uh, yeah, kind of over my head. Um, there is, uh, let me try to think of how can I explain uh, the situation. So there was uh, one time in class where my student, there's one student in particular that was just staring at me during the entire lesson and it was really uncomfortable. And I don't know whether or not it was because I was saying something wrong or maybe I was, the lesson was not, I don't know what was going on. So um, after class, I just um, pulled the student aside and asked her, um, yeah, I noticed that you're looking at me during the lesson. Is there anything that you wanted to ask? And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was staring at you, but I was just looking at your, your hand 
And I was like, okay, um, what about my hands? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was really strange. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, I noticed that one side of your hand is lighter than the other side. And I just never saw that before. And I'm just kind of curious. And I said, yeah, you know, um, black people for some we have a lighter shade on our hand. And uh, she, I mean, it, it was really random, but I just realized that there are some things that I just take for granted that other people that don't look like me, it's really fascinating. And then I realized at that time that I guess I have to be somewhat of an ambassador for all black people when I don't even intend to be, because I'll get some questions that for me just sound so naive and very random, but for other people who want to know more about me, I guess I'll have to take the mantle and answer. Um, that was the yeah, that was a really um, fascinating time for me. And that's it's that's to, yeah, it's kind of funny to look back on now, but I'm glad that I took it in stride and just answered the question verbatim, you know? It's just, a good approach yeah. to have, I think, because, you know, some people might not take that quite as graciously as you did. So <laughs> exactly. it handled well by the sounds of it. So moving it on a little bit back to teaching uh, specifically, is there anything we can do as teachers to kind of, you know, overcome these cultural barriers, you know, avoid them, limit them? What are, what are some of the, you know, the common trends or the common themes that, that come to mind when trying to tackle and limit these issues in the classroom and maybe outside of the classroom as well? Hmm. That, that's a good question. I think regarding um, cultural barriers, I think just keeping the dialogue um, consistently open and not judgmental. That's really big because I realized, you know, being in Korea and being someone of color, I... I've always been a minority in the United States, but even more so in Korea. So even though I just want to be a teacher, I also recognize that I have responsibility as a, a man of color to represent my race. So when I do get questions, for example, about my hand or about my hair or am I a good dancer, you know, kind of things that are just, you know, very stereotypical the initial reaction is to like roll my eyes and but i realize that these conversations most of the time these questions come out of curiosity so i think keeping the dialogue open and trying to answer them and just to you know try to be an, an ambassador and to not judge people for trying to know more about other races and other cultures is really important as a teacher that's really interesting, and I'm. I personally hope that we can see better changes in the whole world regarding this um, topic. And I think I myself think that this is our responsibility as individuals to just you know move forward and try to learn to see people for the, who they are and the potential they have, and just put the stereotypes and the old beliefs away. Now, I want to ask you um, about your advice for new teachers, because, um, well, uh, the, the people who want to start this career, the teaching career uh, for the first time, they have their, their own struggles. But also, let's think about the people who want to start teaching for the first time, who come from non-white backgrounds or different religions or, you know, um, other groups that might not feel 100% um, confident like um, other teachers in the community. So uh, what is your advice for them? Uh, what kind of mindset do you suggest uh, having for them or anything that can inspire them, make them feel more um, confident in taking steps into this career? 
Well, that's a really great question. And um, I'm going to tailor my answer specifically for Korea. So Korea is one of the most homogenous countries on earth. I think it's a 99% uh, ethnic Korean population. So when you come from a different country, specifically into Korea, you are really um, in the minority, even more so for people of color. So if a person of color wants to come teach in a country like Korea, I have a few pieces of advice. So number one is to really try to either find or create a community with people of um, similar backgrounds. And um, luckily in Korea, we have a really strong and vibrant community of um, black and uh, Latino um, teachers and students and all walks of life. Um, there's a Facebook group called the Brothers and Sisters of Korea, and it's really active. We ask each other questions that uh, we, we can't find anywhere else, like where to get a haircut or we're having a struggle um, with a co-teacher that's saying things that are quite insensitive or any type of issue that is specific to our background, we're able to talk about it and we, we problem solve and work together. So that's definitely one thing. So create a community with people of a similar background, but also try to find and create a community of things that you just enjoy that are not specifically re related to your background. So like I mentioned, I, I love reading and I realized that there was a big void when it came to uh, book clubs in my city. So I created a book club um, so every month we choose a book and we discuss it and we choose um, books about various topics. And that really um, feed, feeds my soul in a way. It, it makes me really comfortable. You know, when you find a community that um, supports things that you love and enjoy, it makes living abroad much more easier. Sometimes you forget that you're living abroad. It really feels like home. And I can say that Korea definitely feels like home because I have the community of other black and Latino teachers. And also because I have communities of things that I enjoy doing on a daily basis. So I recommend those two things for sure. And also keeping an open mind. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for sharing you. Um, definitely a lot of, a lot of similar things that I heard, you know, when I was living there as well. And, and again, building that community is really important for supporting each other and, you know, overcoming these issues. Um, positively. So great. Um, so just one final question, just to kind of wrap, wrap up everything today. Um, obviously, you know, your partner, your wife, Dawn, um, again, comes from a very different background, a very unique uh, upbringing as well. Um, so would you be able to tell me a little bit about what she does in terms of helping others and helping people from other backgrounds to overcome their challenges and, you know, the cultural issues that they face as well? Right. So uh, my wife definitely had some, some issues being, um, a woman here in, in Korea, especially an expat uh, woman. So my wife, she had um, some health issues when she first came into the country. She had some difficulty adjusting to um, the, the different diet that they have. You know, in Korea, they eat a lot of fermented food, a lot of spicy food, a lot of rice, and she was not used to eating those things. So she developed, you know, some some health issues. So she went to various doctors and explained, I'm, I'm having some, some pain and some discomfort. Um, I'm having these symptoms. And I don't know where they're coming from. And um, she started to become really frustrated because a lot of the doctors were sort of dismissed her by saying, oh, it's because you're getting older. It's because you're a woman. You just sort of have to deal with it. These things are normal for women. So it, she was just getting dismissed left and right and just co constantly. And I, I'd be there with her and 
really frustrating to hear you know these these dismissive answers. So what she ended up doing is he tried to um, do a lot of self-study regarding nutrition, trying to figure out what are the underlying causes and the roots of her health problems. And in doing so, she ended up joining a a nutritional therapy practitioner. She be uh, she off she joined a program where she became certified. So after she finished that program, she started a business where she helps uh, women overcome the same issues that she had regarding health in Korea. So I think um, overcoming that first initial frustration of being dismissed because of number one being female and maybe number two being an expat. She used she harnessed that frustration to something really positive that's benefiting benefiting a lot of um, expat women in the country. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, sorry, Goldnice, go ahead. It's okay. Okay. I'm gonna start. That's awesome to hear. And for me as a woman, and for a non-native teacher, for an Iranian, I mean, as an Iranian woman, to hear that story, um, I'm I'm already inspired, and I think. Uh, it's something to take pride in that being dismissed, being ignored um, is not going to stop you. It, you can just use it um, to your own benefit and also to help people benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we asked you earlier, why are you still there? And it's pretty clear because you've managed to build that community. You know, both of you are kind of making positive changes and not just helping yourselves and improving yourselves, but also improving the lives of others. And I think, the fact that you've overcome all of these issues and challenges and potential problems that a lot of a lot of people might just give up on or just accept you've said you know what we're here we're here for a long time we're going to make a positive change and it's really inspiring to hear that and hopefully our listeners can take some you know take some uh what's the word i'm looking for okay i'm gonna have to try this again they can take some uh, encouragement in the fact that they can also follow you know some of the advice that we've mentioned and hopefully not just apply to their teaching, but also maybe living and working in another country or working with students from different backgrounds. Because when there's opportunities that come up where students ask these questions or they might say something that might seem insensitive or you know sexist or racist, helping us to understand a little bit where that comes from and having a little bit of patience and tolerance can actually go a long way and help to overcome these challenges. Um, not only in the classroom, but also outside as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Yuk. Uh, it was a real pleasure. And uh, I'm sure uh, hopefully that we'll be hearing from you again in the future. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much. It was a great pleasure. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope, we hope that you enjoyed it. And we want to know about your feedback, your questions about your experience with cultural issues if you have had any feel free to email us at esltalkpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to follow us on instagram and also like us on facebook thank you guys for listening we hope to see you soon and again as golna said any feedback is greatly appreciated and we'll be happy to answer your questions in future podcasts thank you so much for listening guys we'll see you next week bye-bye bye-bye guys Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.